0: Hello, welcome back to Sermon Notes. Uh, This is Garland, and I've got Clark here with me. Uh, We are continuing in our uh, Risen series as we look at uh, post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Um, These are not... uh, these are not ghost stories. These are real appearances of the bodily resurrected Jesus to uh, to people in this world. Um, and we get one of the more dramatic stories, maybe in the entire Bible, uh, in, in our uh, in our passage this week. We're going to look at. It's a famous story. If you've been around church, you've probably heard of the uh, of the moment when Saul becomes Paul when his life is changed uh, on the road to Damascus, Syria. And you find that story in Acts chapter nine. So, Clark, um, give us just what's going on, uh, catch us up on, uh, you know, we've been looking at gospel accounts largely. And then the beginning yeah. part of acts, um, now we're jumping, you know, we're jumping nine chapters forward and we're moving forward to a different person. He's unfamiliar to you if you've just read the gospels. So and now we have this random dude named Saul. So yeah. c- catch us up on the story and what we're going to see in the passage. Then we'll, we'll dive into some of the things that we didn't have time to get to on Sunday.
1: Well, since Andy, uh, taught this past week, um, Pentecost has come, and the Spirit is now not only empowering believers, but also indwelling believers, and uh, with the gifts of the Spirit to push the gospel out, to authenticate um, the works of Jesus, and um, we have uh, Stephen, uh, one of our first martyrs, and uh, in chapter 7, and then in chapter 8 of Acts, um, the Ethiopian eunuch comes to faith, and... Philip uh, walks him through the gospel. He understands it. And um, now the gospel's continuing to make its push, not just in the synagogues, but now God's going to have a very specific plan through Paul to bring the Gentiles. And um, we know that's part of what Scripture's been pointing to is the blessing of the gospel. And so we see that here in in 9, and Paul is is making his way. Well, it's Saul in this case. And it says he's breathing threats and murder. Against the disciples of the Lord, and he goes to the high priest, and he's making a very intentional effort to stamp out the followers of the way, and so that's part of what's going on um, in the background here in chapter nine.
0: Yeah, yeah what's what's interesting as you get to this part in Acts, uh, you know, you said the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, just, just here's where we're at: like uh, a Jewish Messiah is now having an African, uh, an African person from modern day Ethiopia, ancient, ancient. World to call it Cush, south of Egypt. Now the gospel's even reaching people from down there, and it's yeah. it's reaching people up in Damascus, Syria. Like the gospel's now spreading this news about Jesus, just like Jesus said uh, it would do. Um, and that's a real threat if you are um, if you are a zealous Jew, and for you um, loyalty to Yahweh or disloyalty to Yahweh literally is the difference in life and death, staying in the land, uh, ridding, your in, ridding yourself of your enemies mm-hmm. or, uh, or not. Th- that zeal would drive you to, um, even in this case, in Acts chapter seven, seven, eight, seven and eight, Saul to the point of violence. Um, yeah. it's a real threat to have people talking about Yahweh, um, being a person and then living and dying by the hand of the Romans that you can imagine the existential problem that would be for a zealous Jew like Saul. And so I think it's so yeah. easy for us to get to a story like X nine and go, Oh, the good story. Look at this. And we can kind of look at, you know, Paul's prior life and go, Oh, okay. Yeah. That was when he was a bad guy. And I think we can do a little bit of a disservice there because, um, oh, <laughs> If without the resurrection, without what we're about to see, I think Paul is in bounds for a Jewish person to go. We we can't stand for somebody to be blaspheming Yahweh Yahweh like this, and that sets up actually the story that we're going to see. So uh, yeah, take us there. What happens in the story? and,
1: And this is often referred to as Paul's conversion experience. And so I've struggled a little bit, Garland, just with that phrase. There is a conversion of sorts that takes place when you consider his baptism as a representative of that, uh, the filling of the Spirit in him as we see that happening all through Acts. Um, but I'm wondering, Garland, could it be that this is the unveiling of where Judaism was taking us? Mm-hmm. And as the law makes itself known, becomes the tutor for Paul to lead him to Christ, he's most fully Jewish. Yeah.
0: When he'll he say, believes
1: in the Messiah. He'll say that. Uh, yeah. He will and seem so, to say that, yeah. And so it feels more like a, yeah, maybe there's a conversion going on here, but but it, it feels something, it, it, it's a confirmation, a calling. It's an unveiling of the fullest expression of God's plan made manifest um, in a man who's not Jesus mm-hmm. um, as a Jew. Mm-hmm. And so you see that happening here. And so... I've been kind of walking that, that tightrope in my own study a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, because we, we tend to downplay all these really bad things about his com- commitment to Judaism. And really he's he was pretty faithful. Yeah. Yeah. To Yahweh. Yeah. And his commitment. Maybe his heart and his motive, even he admits that, you know, he was ignorant of what it was all pointing to. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses that language in first. Timothy one. And so, um, that was something that was new for me to really unpack a little bit and that God has actually used, um, his Judaism and his commitment to Yahweh, um, as part of his story. It's, it's really fascinating actually, like
0: for him to go (laughs) to, to make the leap from that Jesus guy was a blasphemer and we need to stamp this out to, oh wait, now I'm the guy that's going to take that Weird story, all over the place, and I'm gonna get beat down for it over and over again by the very people, the very Jewish people that I was defending and fighting for. Like that's where this story. That's why we're doing a risen series. Like the 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 encounter with the resurrected Jesus was so profound for him that there was no going back. Like everything had to now be radically reoriented around the idea. That Jesus really is the culmination of Israel's story. It's yeah. been pointing to Him, and we'll see Paul almost having to work that out. Um, and so I think it, you know it uses language like he he was blinded, saw a bright light, and then he he has these what seems like scales on his eyes. Mm-hmm. That's actually a fantastic description of I think what's going on in his heart. Like he's he's chasing Yahweh, and upon seeing Jesus, everything that he thought he was chasing now has to it's almost like has to undergo metamorphosis, almost like a caterpillar, yeah. like it has to come to something new. But he could not have he couldn't have anticipated it until he meets Jesus on the road. And, and it I, seems yeah.
1: like maybe even, and this is a little bit of conjecture because um, it's not in the text blatantly. But you know the, the disciples had the moment on the road to Emmaus where Jesus helped them see clearly his connection to the prophets, to the law, to the writings, and this is his moment. Where Jesus starts to connect the dots for him Mm -hmm. as as the fulfillment, and so um, just fascinating. Jesus makes things clear, Mm -hmm. and the resurrection, um, the resurrection makes it that much clearer. And so he meets the resurrected Jesus here, and just a few things would note that we may not get into um, in the teaching. Um, But this is, you know, we we talk about, and you even brought it up. Saul to Paul, um, there's nothing in the story where God directly changes his name. Saul is his Hebrew name. Paul would be more, I guess, it would be his Greek name. But in Acts 13, when they're sent out from Antioch, the word Paul begins to be used. And so there is a, as he goes to the Gentiles, his name, his Greek name is now used in the rest of the story. Likely, he's he's now reaching Gentiles. And so his name is somewhat connected to his mission mm-hmm. at this point. Um, it's not an Abram to Abraham kind right. of thing. Right. God ordains this name change. But there's a shift that does happen um, in the story. And it's so, you know, his, his direction, his conversion. What's interesting is right out of the gate, um, once he's baptized, he gets some food in his stomach. Um, the scales fall from his eyes. It says that he immediately begins to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. And so for Paul, the resurrection event was the proof that he is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And then he begins, he goes to the synagogues and immediately begins to preach. Um, the other thing I think that's fascinating is the hesitancy that you see a little bit here of followers of Jesus um, to take him in. Yeah, Ananias is like, hey, uh, yeah. he's not. He's talking to
0: Yahweh, the Lord. That's says, right. and he goes, uh, about that God, like
1: yeah. you know Are this you guy, sure right? This we guy? know there's
0: reports about him, and he's a pretty bad dude. Yeah, he um,
1: needs some reassurance to take him in. And so, and by the way, just for uh, the Garland nerd alerts out there, there's three Ananiases in Acts, and this is one of those. Um, one's a high priest. Uh, one. Um, lies, and his life is taken for it. And then this one is a follower of the way and is really, outside of Barnabas, is one of the first guys that really brings him in and sells him to the disciples. And so that's the Ananias that that we're referring to here. So yeah, just fascinating. This is your ultimate life change story. And just from a pastoral perspective, Garland, I think sometimes uh, we have to be careful not to project, um, the extreme stories onto our own story and think that our story isn't as good right as Paul. Like Mm -hmm. who who wouldn't want this, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to share their story. Um, at the same time, the fact that God reaches down and rescues any of us at any time, no matter how old we are, or how bad we've been, or how good we've been, um, it's the gospel of grace. Mm-hmm. No matter what, yeah. I always, tell so people, we have to be careful not to compare ourselves. I think,
0: to Paul. Yeah, I always tell people if you, you know, somebody says, "I got a boring story," and I was saved when I was six, and I was go, oh, "Hold, hold on a second. You mean to tell me that the 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 Creator, King of the Universe, who who is the one behind the universe as it expands right now? He's behind it." and the distant black holes that are thousands of times bigger than our sun in mass and gravity, the God that made that holds that together, and that intricately weaves DNA to work. That God, who then stepped into the world to save and rescue the brokenness of the world, that God saw fit to make himself so clear and knowable that you at six in your mom's bedroom— could have a relationship with that god and you're saying that's not cool like yeah.
1: you're really piling it like, on like, yeah 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 well, yeah, well I have yeah. tried to a purpose oh, here yeah. but like
0: that's unbelievable if you really step back and think about yeah, it now of it course is. we should celebrate that story the paul the 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 crazy kinds of conversions mm-hmm. saul's conversion what's interesting on this one is um like i love some of the detail here go to a street called straight it's oh, yeah. in, go, judas is there by the way straight that's straight that's a street that goes right through Damascus even to this day. It's still one of the main streets mm-hmm. there. And so um, I love that the Bible, inters- it It tells the story of the creator covenant God intersecting himself with real people, then like real place, ma- real main streets and yeah. straight streets and Weddingtons and college avenues and townships. And so um, that's, that's just cool. That's just really profound. Uh, and I think you're totally yes. right to point that out. Anything else that just, as you've studied um, that, that, you think would be helpful? I know a lot yeah. of small groups are finishing up in Risen um, and then maybe taking some time off or might have a couple of barbecues yeah. and stuff this summer. What what should they be doing as they as they marinate on this or talk well, about it in discipleship? I think,
1: I think it's helpful also to remember, I, I call it the Paul's synoptic story, the idea of being seen together like we call the synoptic, synoptic Gospels. If you'll take Acts 29, Acts 22, and Acts 26, you're able to piece together um, more details of this event and more uh, a more fuller timeline um, if you'll use those three. And then he also refers back to some of his spiritual pedigree in 1 Timothy 1 and Philippians 3. And what was interesting to me too, and, and this may be helpful for those in your small group or your church as you appreciate God's work in your story and you reflect on that is, you know, Paul his repentance was turning, um, from what he was trusting in from a righteousness perspective, even though he was doing the right things. And some of his, his most heinous grievous sins before the Lord were rooted in self righteousness. Now, obviously it's not ideal to promote murder in the killing of innocent people, which he was part of that experience too. That's pretty intense as well. <laughs> um, but i think a lot of times we think you know my story before i came to know christ like for those of you that are listening right now that grew up in church um maybe you don't have this torrid list of dark sins um that marked your lifestyle but what if god saved you from your self-righteousness and when you see jesus's anger um in the gospel some of his greatest expressions of anger Toward sin where the sin of self-righteousness. And so that's part of what Paul was repenting from, as you read some of the other accounts of this story. And, um, and he was finding his righteousness um, in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and then in the resurrection. And so um, I think it would be a good time to reflect on our own stories. I'm going to spend quite a bit of time, Garland, on the before part of Paul's story and how he never forgot it. Um, he seemed to—he was able to live in this center saint tension and without shame, but just knowing where he'd come from and knowing who God had made him in, as a new creation. And so um, it could just be that this summer could be a great time for the groups to share one another's stories, share your gospel story. Um, when did you see the light, you know, to use an expression mm-hmm. from this passage— mm-hmm. And so I think that'd be helpful. And, uh, and, and also to just ask, okay, if, if you've met Christ, then how are you different? This was transformative for, from Paul, for Paul in every possible way in terms of the direction of his life, where it would go, his mission, what he trusted in. I'm sure he practiced the discipline that he learned in Judaism, but they had new meaning to him. And so those would be some ideas for the
0: summer for sure. At every turn, you see Paul going back to the resurrection. It changed everything. And that's why we're doing this Risen series, uh, because we hope it does the same thing for us uh, individually and collectively. And so uh, that's really helpful, Clark. Uh, Thanks for getting us uh, prepped and ready. And uh, thanks for listening to Sermon Notes. Have a great week.